You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. This morning, instead of a reading, we have a video that comes to us from the um, new president of our Unitarian Universalist Association in Boston, the Reverend Dr. Sophia Betancourt. And uh, it's a uh, start of the church year uh, message um, to Unitarian Universalists, and uh, it felt appropriate today for Stewardship Sunday. Beloved, it brings me great joy to welcome you into this season of return, when we celebrate in gatherings and come back to each other in our congregations and our communities at large. For me personally, this is a time of return to our Unitarian Universalist Association, and I am humbled by your trust in me as your president. Thank you for the love and support you have shown me, not just during last year's presidential campaign, but during General Assembly in Pittsburgh. Thank you, please. We are at the start of our shared ministry together, and we have been invited to consider a whole new way of visioning and resourcing our UUA. Our Commission on Institutional Change has invited us into a type of collaboration that we have not yet fully envisioned. This is work that I cannot do without you, certainly work that I cannot do without our remarkable UUA staff, and I'm looking forward to all that we will accomplish. Beloved, this is a time to think about and reflect on the call of Unitarian Universalism in these days. Who are we meant to be collectively? And how do we care for one another along the way? In this coming year, once again, we get to lean into our shared values and talk about and discuss and chew on how we express those together as we come back to the next year of work on Article 2. More than just bylaws, however, it matters how we story ourselves into being. Those messages will guide us in our work to come. In this year, we are responding to the call of justice in our nation and around the globe. Beloveds, I know these are difficult times. I know that we are sometimes afraid. I know that we need one another. There is strength in religious community. And that progressive religious community is called to be a counter-cultural response to what can seem like the inevitable outcome of society today. We believe in human goodness. It is a radical idea. Our liberal tradition guides us toward liberation because we become more free. We are in this work together. When we promote our values together, when we lead together. I want to invite you to sit with me in reflection on all that Unitarian Universalism is called to be in these days. How are you asked? 
How are you inspired to live your faith in the world? What does your congregation, this community, specialize in? Where is your mission most needed in the surrounding community? And how do we care for one another as we go? Loves, we are called to communal care like never before. We see this in this time when we are re-emerging from the quarantine stage of pandemic. And let me take a moment to say, wow, did we hold one another beautifully and well in these last years. Please let us not lose the lessons we learned about how to hold one another in care, how to protect the health of all, how to center the needs of those most vulnerable among us, so that community writ large continues. What have you learned in these recent years? How are you sharing those learnings with other UUs and with other members of your community? This is the work of communal care as we steward this faith together. Beloveds, I am grateful for each and every one of you. As I said, I cannot do this work alone. This is work we do together. And I cannot do this remarkable ministry without your phenomenal leading my staff. I want to ask you to treat your leaders, leaders of all kinds, religious professionals, lay leaders, elders, youth, emerging adults, all those who shape us in new ways. Hold your leaders with love. We are all tired. Much is asked of us, and there are wonderful things yet to come. Together, we will reimagine the workings and expressions of this and we will hold on to the traditions and theologies and commitments that have made us who we are. This is beloved community. This is communal care in a season of the time. I can't wait to continue this ministry with all of you. Be well, beloved. I never imagined times such as these. Did you? Any of you? I never imagined being a minister in the midst of a pandemic. I appreciate a bit of praise from our Unitarian Universalist Association president, marveling at how well we held ourselves together. But I know she also knows the truth behind that. We held on with white knuckles, <laughs> gritted teeth, sweat on the brow. It wasn't easy. But things worth investing in, worth fighting for, worth sustaining, growing, and believing in, places such as this are worth that effort. I never imagined times like these in so many heartbreaking, frustrating ways. We all have our own connection to that. If you're a woman, LGBTQ, person of color, person that cares. Everywhere we look, there's yet one more thing. One more strain on the institutions we used to trust. 
more lines in the sand, more inequity. Do we want to be here all day listing and naming it all? No, we do not. But we can at least find room to admit it. We never imagined times like these. Or if you did, I don't know if you're one of the lucky ones. But here we are. We can name it. And I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you that there is always a way through. History teaches us this. Our world has seen such times as this and people endured. And a place such as this community must do two things in times like these. Name what is happening without apology. Remind us all that there is hope. Always hope. Indelible hope. But it is one thing to say that we'll be a people of hope. It's another to provide the ingredients for that hope. It doesn't just appear. And then there's this truth. We do not gather here only because of the great crises of our times. We gather here because we seek community. We seek sanctuary. We seek that hope. Most of us are too busy living our everyday lives and what a gift it is to have a place to just be, even in times like these. So maybe that's who we are. A place where we hope with reckless abandon despite it all. And a place where we welcome fellow travelers wherever they are. All you warriors of justice, you passionate campaigners, builders of community, creatives and savants, and yes, everybody in between, including those of us who are just content to be an ordinary person. Thank you very much, whatever ordinary means. Now, I don't know how to accurately describe the magic of a community such as ours. To be honest, I'm just grateful it happens week after week. I'm pretty sure it's equal parts open-mindedness, open-heartedness, and mystery. Call the mystery what you will. Last year and Here's another thing we can just be honest about. Time since COVID is weird. It just is. Last year feels like ages ago. And I'm not quite sure exactly what happened during the three years of the pandemic. I just know something did. Last year, if you can remember in this space, we were all still in masks. The sanctuary was getting a little fuller week after week. The world was half back, half not. But people like me and other leaders in our congregation kept talking about how, yes, we're back. We're back. Oh, no, we weren't. But now we are. We're back. Firing on all cylinders. I don't even think that's an apt description. You can't fire on all cylinders when the engine is itself is on fire. We are engulfed with ideas flying left and right, worries and excitement springing out of every corner, new faces in our midst week after week, welcome. And faces we know returning, welcome. There is an energy in the air and you can feel it. It's like an electric current. Raising the hairs on the back of your neck, you can really feel that, taste it, smell it. Half of us are wondering, was it always like this before the pandemic? The other half of us are elated, and all of us are trying to keep up. We're back, 
And in times such as these, we're singing out our songs once more. We're joining in beloved memory of those we've lost, celebrating those we love, figuring this experiment of liberal, spiritual, and ethical community out once more. But isn't it good? It's good. We have to remember to enjoy that and to not get swept away by the current. You gotta hold on. And lucky for all of you, you've joined us on our Stewardship Sunday kickoff. It's funny, in in the great history of spiritual and religious communities, we come up with all sorts of names to soften a discussion of money. Canvas, pledge, offering, stewardship, or anything but money. But I feel like communities like ours do a disservice to every one of us. If we could just accept that money is a part of a community like ours, lessen the stigma, give more opportunities to people to support us both with and beyond money, and be a community of care that honors everyone's story, I think we could get over the stigma there. Now, there's a great brief story that comes to us from the Christian scriptures. Those of you that used to go to Sunday school, it's not the one you might be thinking of. The story of the woman who gave two pennies to support the temple and therefore was more righteous because it was all she had versus the rich man who flaunted his very large donations. That's still a good story. It speaks to the intent of our service and gifts to the world. But I'm thinking instead of someone called Phoebe, mentioned by the Apostle Paul. She was a deaconess. Many of us never learned that. And a leader, a great leader in the early church. And Paul encourages the Roman church to receive her and, quote, give her any help she needs from you, for she has been a benefactor of many. Outside of that, we don't know anything about Phoebe. She was a trusted leader. She helped many. So the people of Rome should help her. Now, for me, I feel that gets to the real heart of stewardship in a community like ours. We welcome you with care. We provide what you need. And in turn, our greatest hope is that you will be of help and support in return, not just to us, but to the wider world. It's the story of Phoebe, but also the story of so many of the heroes and icons and, yes, ordinary people who make up communities like ours, no matter what they believe. But their call was still service. And the community was called to service in return. That is stewardship. The act of care, taking care, serving, building, supporting, growing, and in times such as this, returning to the joy we found here, to the sanctuary, to the hope, the friends, the beloveds, the curiosity, the free faith, the challenge, the comfort, and the mess too, because being human is messy. Our call to service and to steward this community this year, maybe more so than any other year, though I probably say that every year. (laughs) But right now, our purpose feels crystal clear to me. And there's a question that should be thought of and spoken every time we are gathered. Where is our mission most needed? Where is this free faith most needed? 
Where is the joy and delight and welcome we've discovered here most needed? Where are you most needed? Who needs to hear our message? Who needs to know that there exists a place where your humanity is celebrated and you are called to a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, wherever that leads you? I'm sure you have your own questions, your hopes, your dreams. Keep dreaming them and share them. You might find out a whole lot of us share those same dreams. But most importantly, and this is one of the great responsibilities and joys of a place such as this, you get to be a part of bringing the dreams of this community to life. It's also one of the great challenges. Each Unitarian Universalist congregation has to find its own way. There is no escaping the practicality of that. But for me, that's where the seeds of hope come alive. I am beside myself. It's been over eight years now serving here. Beside myself at how resilient this community was during the pandemic. White knuckles and all. Was it hard? Yes. But did we make it through? Yes. With only a few scrapes and bruises. Not every spiritual community can say that. When we remember that, when we take time to celebrate that and ignore anyone who'd want to steal our celebration and joy from us, we are reminded that this community means something to us, that this place means something in a time such as this. And the real gifts we discover here are not in our principles or our association in Boston, our building, our grounds, our committees, and so on. It's in the relationships that we forge, the friendships that we find, the fellow travelers on this journey. It is only because of those relationships that any of the other stuff is given life. My own call as your minister is given life because of you. When we're reminded of that, that this community only exists and grows and thrives because of relationships, then our stewarding of it is not in question. Because each time we come here, we're coming home again and again. This season of return is about being welcomed home after time in the wilderness. A minister from long ago named William Channing Gannett. Every old school Unitarian minister has three names at least. <laughs> he once served the church of my youth in Hinsdale, Illinois in the late 1800s. And he wrote an essay called The House Beautiful in 1895. It's one of those foundational texts for me that my minister would read often. And that essay would go on to inspire the magazine published to this day, House Beautiful. There's a Unitarian connection there. That original essay, though, embodied the radical ideas of Unitarian ministers who were exiled from Boston for daring to say religion should change. And they settled in what was then the West, Illinois. That essay would go on to inspire Gannett in his vision of what a congregation should and could be. And it would inspire our faith in how we constructed our buildings for generations. Most notably, Frank Lloyd Wright, 
and by extension, Herb Green, who built this space. It's all connected. From Gannett's essay, he wrote, and still one thing remains to furnish the house beautiful, the most important thing of all, without which guests and books and flowers and pictures and harmonies of color only emphasize the fact that the house is not a home. I mean the warm light in the rooms that comes from kind eyes, from quick unconscious smiles, from gentleness in tones, from habits of forethoughtfulness for one another, all that happy illumination which on the inside of a house corresponds to the morning sunlight outside falling on the dewy fields. It is an atmosphere really generated of many self-controls, of much forbearance, of training and self-sacrifice. It is like a constant love song without words, whose meaning is we are glad that we are alive together. It is cheer. It is peace. It is trust. It is delight. It is all these for and all these in each other. It knows no moods. This warm love light, the little festivals of love are kept, but after all, the best days are the everydays because they are the everydays of love. I had to sum that up in one line whose meaning is we are glad that we are alive together. For Gannett, that was the whole point of this thing we do on Sundays and in the days in between. Cheer, peace, trust, delight, kindness, self-sacrifice, and love. That is the house beautiful and the home we are called to make in this free faith. When we remind ourselves of that, and when we call ourselves to that, we find an enduring spiritual and ethical home that can withstand the times we live in, the sorrows we face in life, and all the moments we bring here. We find a home where we can celebrate our joys and successes and a home with each other. That is what we are stewarding here. That's what we're supporting. And with that comes the things that are not particularly exciting. The bills, the lights, the nitty gritty, the paint, the salaries, mowing, weeding. That will never change. But what also comes with it are the dreams of this congregation. The dreams that are coalescing in this season of return. We cannot do this alone. We do need one another. We need each other to get out into the community and proclaim our values. To not just talk about justice, but live it. To not just talk about hope, but live it. Show it. Be a people of hope. To not just say that we support our children and youth, but invest in open, affirming religious exploration that they get to do here week after week. For all of the hopes we hold, environmental care and justice, anti-oppressive work, religious exploration for all ages, all of it and then some. Our stewardship, our care, our love for this place is about bringing our principles alive and remembering that what makes us different is that invitation to come home, to be at home, to care and nurture a home of free thinkers, diverse beliefs, people from all sorts of backgrounds, and an enduring welcome 
those who've yet to discover us. Now, that's what I mean when I talk about stewardship. You can make it about money if you like, because practically it is. But it's so much more than that. It's about this common journey and knowing we are never alone when we are home. The season of our return awaits all of us. Blessed be, dear friends. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.